0: Morning everyone, Um, today I'm going to be reading from John chapter 2 verse 1 to 11. On the the third day a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw some out and take them to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He then, then he called the bride, bridegroom, aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests had had too much to drink but you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana in Galilee it was the first signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed
1: him in him. Yeah Lord we just thank you for your precious word and uh, we pray that You'd open the eyes of our heart to see wonderful things in it today. In Jesus' name. Amen. You want to take a seat? Uh, One time I was at a wedding reception, and I struck up a conversation with this guy, and I had a drink in my hand, and he had a drink in his hand, and we were chatting away. And uh, we did the usual talk, you know, like, you know, about your family, where you're from. And eventually, he got to the point where he was explaining what he did for a job, and then he looked at me and he said, what do you do for a job? And I said, oh, I'm a pastor. At that point, he looked at me and said, and went like this and went, should you be drinking that? Because I had a beer in my hand. <laughs> I say that to say, as a silly illustration, uh, weddings are full of lots of joy and celebration. Um, but the, the, there's something about weddings, about about food and about drink, that's, that's just wonderful. And I, I don't know if this has been your experience, but this has been mine, that it is a lot more fun to go to a wedding than it is to be your wedding or to be hosting a wedding, right? Because when, you, when you're hosting a wedding or it's your wedding, there's a lot of pressure to get the thing right. You know, there's a lot of money's gone into this. You've booked the church, you've booked the reception hall, you've got the caterers. They've spent thousands on dresses and flower arrangements. And I'm showing how much I actually know because Amy probably organised all this. Um, but there's like all this money and resources that go into into a wedding, and you know, there's a lot of pressure. And one of the big pressure points is around like the reception. And the biggest fear you have when you're hosting something like that is that you're going to run out of food or drink, eh? Like, you know, that's like, have you ever been in one of those experiences in life where you're like, oh, are we going to have enough food? Are we going to have enough drink? Oh, it's looking a bit sketchy here. That's your biggest fear is when you're hosting an event like a wedding reception. Well, that pressure that we feel is, is nothing compared to what they would have felt in the, in the early first century in Palestine In this environment, we got a picture here of Jesus at a wedding feast, at a at a celebration. Uh, He's with his mother and the disciples, and they've been invited to this wedding. And there's a terrible thing that happens here: the wine runs out. And now, this is not just like I said before, something where oh heck, the wine ran out, and everyone's like, oh, that that was a bit of a bummer. That was a bit of a a bit of a B minus on the old wedding reception here. No, for them and their culture, that was a massive, huge amount of shame that would have come upon that the bridal family that was hosting that, because their weddings were extravagant events, went on for days, sometimes like seven days sort of thing, like preparing and doing this, and there was this great honour and hospitality in their culture to put on a great wedding feast, and for them to run out of wine, not be able to show that hospitality to their local village there in Cana would have been a source of incredible shame for them, a shame that would have carried on for years and years after. It wouldn't have been something that people would have just been, like, oh, yeah, that was, that was a bit lame. No, they would have, that family would have carried that shame with them for years. And I guess today, as I'm just going to do a, a, bit, a bit of a short message here today, I really want to take a bit of an overarching theme here of what Jesus is doing and to go from shame to joy because that's what I feel like Jesus is doing in this story that's what I feel like Jesus is always doing in our lives. At the end of this passage um, in verse 11 it says what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and the disciples believed in him. Now, this is an incredible miracle of water into wine, but John chooses to say that it is a sign. And he actually has seven signs in his gospel that have significant things about things. Now, what is a sign? A sign is something that points to something else. It points to a greater reality that's going on here. So this is not just Jesus doing an amazing kind of party trick there is something Jesus is doing in this story that is pointing to a greater reality of what he is doing in our lives. And I think that what he's wanting to do is to break the shame off our lives. Now, Do you have, do you have shame? Do you have guilt this morning? Do you have regrets about stuff in your life that you just cannot shake off. And I feel like there's an invitation from the Spirit, like I shared earlier, to break off that shame. That's the heart of God for us this morning. So in the story, we read um, that Mary intervenes uh, because of this incident. There's not not enough wine. And she goes to Jesus and she says, can you do something to help? And uh, the, the... in English, it kind of sounds a bit harsh. He's sort of like, you know, woman, no, I, can't, I can't help out here. But in the Greek, it's actually not as, not as harsh. Uh, effectively, it's something along the lines of like, oh, why is this a, why is this a bother or a trouble for us kind of thing? Like, you know, what's the big deal here kind of thing? I'd rather not. Um, because Jesus is, is contemplating something a bit bigger. In the verse after that, he says, my hour has not yet come. And here is another clue or sign that Jesus is pointing to a bigger reality. When he says that, my hour has not yet come, what he's talking about is the hour of his death, of his resurrection and his ascension. Uh, He's looking ahead to this this event in the future where he's going to lay down his life, take on the sin of the world, break the power of sin and death, and rise from the dead and into resurrection life, so that we could have that. He's he's got bigger things on his mind than whether the whether the booze has run out. <laughs> and but this shows that God is a God of incredible practicality and help as well in this situation, because he actually does he actually does this miracle. He actually does this sign, and and Mary says this thing to him. Uh, She says to the servant, she says, do whatever he tells you. And when I read this passage and when I prepared this, that just stuck out to me. Do whatever he tells you. Like, that is the core (laughs) instruction and commandment for discipleship, right? Like, if we read through all of the scriptures and we know all the stories from the Bible, if we look at our own lives... When we do what Jesus tells us to do, like what he's commanding us to do, we go towards life, right? It says in the, in the Great Commission, the bit we almost forget is the extra bit, you know, go therefore into all the will, preach the gospel, baptize in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. We love that part. We're all about mission. Let's get out there. Let's get people saved. But we forget the next little bit, which says, and, make, and do, and, and sorry, and we, we miss the next little bit, which is, and and do as the <laughs> teach, <laughs> teach them to do everything that i have commanded you to do teach them to do everything that i have commanded you to do like these were the instructions that were given to the disciples on how to do life and how to do life well that jesus was telling his disciples to come and tell us across human history this is how to do life this is how to flourish go after this so mary been, been, even his mother, um, is, is a key disciple, and she goes and tells these servants, you know, do whatever he tells you to do, and I think that's a great uh, in- invitation, a great encouragement to us this morning to follow Jesus, to do what he's doing in our life, because it's going to lead to flourishing in life. So of course, there's these um, six giant purification jars that are there. And they were held for ceremonial cleaning, so basically in the Jewish culture, in order to do certain um, to be purified or to be in a good place, you had to kind of be certain rituals and traditions so that you would be in a good space so so people would cleanse themselves with water from like the, their sin basically in a sense as they're getting ready to go into temple to go into the presence of God and so what these j- jars would have was like a little ladle, and people would just Kind of, you know, lap out a bit of the water and put it on their body and wash off and stuff so that they would be clean, that they would be right, so they go into God's presence. And I I think that's really key here in this passage because Jesus is the new temple. Jesus is the new place of God's presence where heaven and earth meet. That's what the Jews believe that the temple was the place where heaven and earth meet. But Jesus is the new temple. He is the new presence of God, and he is doing something here to say this: there is a new way to do life. And when I, when I read that those six giant, uh, about that water and about that trying to cleanse yourself, I, I, it reminded me of, of, a, of a play I did at high school, uh, Macbeth. And in Macbeth, There's this character called Lady Macbeth, and her and her husband conspire to kill someone so that her husband husband can become the king. And there's a really interesting scene in that play where she, she sort of sees blood all over her hands, and she's trying to wash off this blood off her hands. There's like a... She cannot get rid of the guilt. She cannot get rid of what's... Like, the dirt or the stuff that's holding her back... And she's, it, it, she's having this moment just trying to wash this thing off. And I think it's a great picture of how we live our lives. Like, we're trying in our own strength, for our own ways, to wash off the guilt. We're trying to wash off the things that are holding us back. We're trying to do it in our own strength, in our own ways. And it doesn't work, right? It doesn't work, Like right? I know that's true of myself. Whenever I've tried to get myself right through my own ways... It never works right, and the only way that I come right is when I fall on my knees, surrender to God's grace, and receive his grace and mercy in that moment and forgiveness. It's the only way that I can be right with God and right in my life and feel good. Oh, yes, Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your forgiveness. But it's all out of a place of surrender, of just receiving. When I try and do it myself, it's always I struggle. And it's never, you know, it's like you're trying to wash that that blood off your hands. It just can't come off. You need divine help. And it says at the start of John's Gospel, just prior to this, a few pages to the left in your Bible, that Jesus came full of grace and truth. What a beautiful words, full of grace. Uh, This is the new way God is going to do things through his people. Israel and then through us is full of grace it's not through trying to achieve things it's not through trying to get yourself right no Jesus is going to do this through grace and the rest of John's gospel is really showing us what God's grace looks like and what it tastes like and what does this grace look and taste like well it's abundant These stone jars, uh, I wish they'd make a metric Bible. Everything seems to be in gallons and things like this. There must be one out there somewhere. (laughs) Anyway, as an aside, 20 to 30 gallons. Okay, so I had to do the the, the math on this. 75 to 113 litres in each jar. Now, there's six of them, so that goes to 450 to 678 litres of water that's in those jars that's turned into wine. That's nearly 1,000 bottles of wine. That's a great party, right? <laughs> Can I get an amen for that? <laughs> 1,000 bottles of wine. I don't know how big their village was, but man, that's a good party. <laughs> that's, that's, that is abundance, right? And the abundance of wine demonstrates the abundance of God's blessings, says, further on in John, he says, I've come to give you life and life in abundance. God's not this miserly father that's giving you just a little bit of stuff. He's got oceans of grace for you. He's got a thousand bottles worth of grace for you this morning. Like, this is the God we serve, not of little miserly amounts, but of uh, overabundant overflow of his grace. And not only is it we've got an abundance of God's grace, he also gives us the good stuff. Does anyone remember these cask wine bottles? <laughs> Classy. <laughs> Chardonnay. Chardonnay. <laughs> I just got some memories of not that my parents were big drinkers or anything, not at all. Uh, but I just remember going to these like barbecues and uh, like in the 80s and 90s, and people had these cask wine sort of things there. It's like <laughs> where you go. I was always very fascinated with the bag inside as a kid. Like it was really it was interesting. Uh, so if you imagine, and if you're not a, if you're not a wine drinker, maybe think of bushels coffee or something. You know, think of your, your cheapest. You know. <laughs> you know, bottom-of-the-range kind of alcohol there, cast wine. And then look at this, this bottle on the right here. Now, this bottle here is the most expensive bottle of wine in the world. Domain de la Romani. It was sold in 2018 to a whopping price of $558,000 in New York. There are only 600 bottles made of this 1945 vintage, and at this point, very few are left. It's heralded as the unicorn vintage. So not only have we got a God who is abundantly gracious and loving, like this is it's wide, he doesn't just give us the cheap stuff, he gives us the good stuff, right? Top shelf He's got this kind of grace for you. Not this kind of grace. He's got this kind of grace. And I feel like sometimes we think it's like that. We're going to the cask wine. We've got, oh, could you just give me a little sip of that cask wine? It's so nice. So sour. But he's got this. He's got this beautiful, expensive, extravagant vintage for you. And he's got it in abundance, a 1,000 bottles worth of this. For you this morning. See Jesus. You know, not only does Jesus have. The, the grace. And the mercy and the forgiveness. To wash away all our sins. Much better than. Than the old system of the ceremonial washing. Like he can just wash away. That sin. He can wash away that guilt. He can wash away those disappointments. He also invites us into. Abundant life of it as well. Like The point of the Christian life is not just to be forgiven and go to heaven. The point of the the Christian life is union with God, communion with Him. So He's inviting us, not only does He extravagantly pour out this grace and forgiveness, He also invites us into this life of abundance with Him, eating and drinking and being at the table with Him in relationship with Him. One of the, the big metaphors of the Bible, word pictures of the Bible is of of a marriage, that God is the bridegroom and we are the bride. And I still remember to today, a lot of the details of my wedding are a bit hazy up here um, in my mind, but I can still remember standing at the front of the aisle Nervous as, knees shaking, waiting for Amy to come down the aisle. And that moment when she came out, eh? If you've ever got married or you've been at a wedding, you know that moment when the bride comes out. And all the bridegroom is doing is looking at the bride. Try not to cry. (laughs) That is the heart of God. He's looking at us as this beautiful bride... We're not perfect, but he's doing something in us. He's healing and transforming us. And he's inviting us into this beautiful wedding feast. You see, they've gone to a a practical thing, a wedding, with a few of their mates. But like I said before, it's a sign pointing to a greater reality that we've been invited into a marriage union with God. It's a lovely picture of this in Isaiah 25, 6. This is Isaiah, the prophet, saying, On this mountain the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all the peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. What's the picture at the end of Revelation, at the end of time? It's the marriage, the marriage of the Lamb. Us, with God, feasting and drinking celebrating, enjoying him, no shame, no tears anymore, enjoying him forever. And what we get to experience in this life with grace is is just a foretaste of that. It's like we've got that beautiful bottle of wine and we're just having that first glass, but one day we'll be, uh, (laughs) we'll be, we'll be feasting with the Lord forever. And that's what he's inviting us into. So I just thought this morning, I thought it would be great if we just do that by taking communion together. Because one of the things of communion is, 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 is the table. Jesus has prepared a meal for us. He's got the grace for us this morning. And he wants to impart to all of us that. So why don't we stand